From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Hi there to all of you listening in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. Hey there to those streaming us on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. Keep in mind, this is a pre-recorded program. And before we get back to my conversation with media scientist Nelson Thal, a quick programming note. Next week, documentary filmmaker Ali Siadatan from Think Again Productions joins me in the first hour. Ali produced the groundbreaking documentaries UFOs, Angels and Gods and Goliath Rising, Hybrids, Nephilim and Titans. Ali also has a webinar coming up he'll be telling us about that will address the intersection of biblical prophecy as well as the UFO ET issue. The second hour next week will be open lines once again, and I'll be doing more open lines in the coming weeks. Obviously, there is so much happening right now uh, between coronavirus and the widespread protests in the U.S. and now here in Canada, as well as the, uh, the rioting taking place in the U.S., And these widespread protests in the U.S. and Canada after the horrific deaths of uh, black man George Floyd in Minneapolis, that video still haunts and sickens me. Also, the recent death of a black woman in the High Park neighborhood of Toronto, 29-year-old Regis Korczynski-Paquette, who died after a fall from a balcony while police were on the scene responding to a domestic dispute call. And it has been alleged that she was pushed from that balcony, although at this point there doesn't seem to be any evidence for that. But in the absence of evidence, people are filling the void with hearsay and rumor and so forth, and things are coming to a boiling point. But these horribly tragic incidents are quite apart from the violent rioting, where Antifa appears to be sending its members across state lines uh, to participate in what looks very much to me like a coordinated attempt at creating instability, destruction, looting, uh, violence. It's very clear to me that destroying businesses, black-owned and white-owned businesses, stealing Louis Vuitton handbags and, and big screen TVs from Target is a very odd way of grieving for the death of George Floyd. Uh, in fact, one has absolutely nothing to do with the other, and hopefully by next week things will have calmed down, and next week, second hour, we can talk about all of these things, and no doubt coronavirus. Right now we get back to my previously recorded conversation with media scientist Nelson Thal. Nelson, how are you holding on there? Very good, Rich. It's been enjoyable. We're going to leave Marshall McLuhan behind and move on to other matters. I wanted to pick up on something that you and I discussed several months ago on my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited, and this was back actually in late March, so just the very early going of the the quarantine, and at that time, you told me that you believed, had good reason to believe, President Trump was using COVID-19 to take down the Fed, the U.S. Federal Reserve, Explain what you meant by that, and then we'll get into that uh, in more detail. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think we may be witnessing the biggest media-generated mass hysteria since Orson Welles' 1938 radio broadcast, War of the Worlds. I really mean that. It's a worldwide global mass hysteria. 
And of course, we talked about how really it's because the um, the New World Order gang, which are uh, mostly uh, made up of the ruling elite, the owners of the system, they are anxious to bring in a new way of life, population control. It's not like this is any secret. In 1932, there was a eugenics society public meeting in New York City sponsored by the Harrimans and others, getting rid of the useless eaters, et cetera, et cetera. As we know, I mean, it's not like these guys hide it anymore. So um, we have this this whole um covid thing which we know on many levels on a biblical level certainly it's god's wrath on mankind getting man's attention but as we said you know um it's a pyramid of power we live in the pyramid of power the nations uh, every level finds a means to get the lower level to comply with it without knowing the big picture or the raison d'etre behind the operation and that's how that's the pyramid of power and how it's always worked from the top down. Um, they always comply and get people to comply and go along with their plan, but never tell that person what the big picture is and why they're doing it or what the plan is. Everything's cellularized. But um, we know that uh, the, it's been the dream of the patriots since 1912 to um, get back control of America, America's money supply and the control of money. And uh, that's what always was their plan. Now, I'm not saying that Trump is a make it happen on purpose, my hop guy, but he's a lie hop guy. Let it happen on purpose and use it as an opportunity to do something which he was looking to do for and his group, the Patriots, have been looking to do since 1912, over 100 years. You say 1912 because the Federal yeah. Reserve was created in 19, 1913, I think it was. 13, that's right. 1912 was the trigger to do it, which was the Titanic. Okay. To get rid of Strauss, Guggenheim, and Astor. That's old news. We've talked about that before. But this is what was seen as an opportunity to now use Congress and Remember, I mean, I mean, the Patriots now had control of Congress because they controlled the friends, the Patriots friends, and they controlled the the Patriots controlled their enemies because the enemies of the Patriots were so great uh, sinners, shall we say? I mean, bail worshippers, and they, they what they did was so uh, had to be covered up that. Um, they knew what was going on and used it as extortion. So even their enemies were in favor, and they used that power in the Congress to uh, to nationalize the Fed. And it's interesting to note that even Schiff, remember one of the fa major families that looked over on behalf of the Vatican and was controlling the Fed, was the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, the Kuhnlobes, the Warburgs, and the Schiff family who build the Trans-Siberian Railroad. That goes into Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution. We won't go there. But, but the thing is, what's happened is this, that now they've undone the, the, the they brought the act before the, the Supreme Court 
and they uh, and they had the Supreme Court rule that it was unconstitutional, and they've gone ahead behind the scenes and thus nationalized the Federal Reserve. They've nationalized it, so as a foreign entity owned it, now they've seized those assets. All right, so let me just back up they on a couple of things. First of all, you mentioned Adam Schiff, so he is related to family. the same Schiff family that was instrumental in bringing about the Federal Reserve in 1913 along with the Warbirds exactly. and the Lobes and so forth. All right. Now, right. you mentioned that they nationalized the Fed. This was all done behind the scenes, and it was taken before the Supreme Court. How did they do this? What was the mechanism for nationalizing the Fed, and what does that mean exactly? Well, it means now that basically the shareholders of the Fed are part of the tr- represented by the U.S. government via the Treasury Department. The U.S. Treasury Department now has the right once again to start printing, although it didn't have, it's not once again, it's for the first time the Treasury can now start printing centralized money, which hasn't happened before in the United States. And this opportunity just, it, it fell in his lap and he could now, he could go ahead and do this behind the scenes. It wouldn't become seen because, you know, they probably published it in a very small Hansard-like publication in the Library of Congress, you'll find it in 20 years, that this is what was done, and it was done. And who's going to talk about it? They're all worried about COVID. Do you ever see a news report? It's all COVID, 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 COVID. So right when the distraction started, the mass-generated mass hysteria took over, he hid behind that to take back control of the Fed and nationalize it and, and, and use the opportunity to start sending the new money to everybody because those checks aren't in Federal Reserve. Well, they may be in Federal Reserve, but not old Federal Reserve. It's now under the Federal Reserve, and you'll see probably signed by the uh, – it'll probably be signed by the president. I wouldn't be surprised if Trump signs these bills now, oh, the, the notes. Ah, the dollars. Right. Well, he, he certainly wanted to sell. He, he certainly wanted his signature on the checks, which is a brilliant piece of political campaigning, I suppose. These are the emergency funds that are going to the American taxpayers. But and he'll use that. He'll use that to put it on the bills once he prints those next. Okay, so how does that happen in practical terms when you nationalize? The Federal Reserve. So we know, like in a country like Venezuela, if they want to nationalize the oil company or something, it would send troops in and they would say, we're taking over. How do they do that with the Federal Reserve? Do they go to the, each district branch of the Federal Commerce Reserve? Department. The Commerce Department, as well as the Solicitor General and the Attorney General, all put together the paperwork and they seize, the just like, just like um, Jacob Chaikin seized the assets of the Brown Harriman Bank. Under Trading with the Enemy Act, the same thing. These guys under uh, under the Act, the Congressional Act that they passed, they gave them the government the right to seize the assets of the Federal Reserve, seize the assets from the shareholder. They've taken over control. It's probably also the way they're going to get the money back from China by seize those bonds. That's another issue, but it's the same legal way. They do it to the lawyers, Richard. The lawyers can do anything. And government lawyers prepare all the paperwork and put it through the Congress and it's passed and it's signed by the president and it's law. That's how it happened. And as a result, the Treasury no longer pays money to the Federal Reserve Bank for the use of its currency. So they're saving that payment. 
And that's why Schiff is so angry, because they're going to lose their revenue. They've lost their revenue, the Fed. Those five families in the Vatican have all lost the revenue that they were getting because they controlled America's money supply. And America is now a true democracy. Well, not true, not perfect, an imperfect but true democracy. So uh, the, the, the effect of this, as you say, the Federal Reserve, which basically creates money out of thin air and then charges interest – uh, that now reverts back to the U.S. Treasury. So when American taxpayers take their, their checks, their emergency relief checks, to the bank, they're going to get U.S. Treasury notes now instead of U.S. Federal Reserve notes? It'll say that on the, on the money? No, it'll say U.S. dollars like it used to do. Okay. Greenbacks, real money. But printed by the U.S. Treasury rather than the Federal Reserve. Right. They basically they've neutered the Federal Reserve. It's basically a flow through. It's just a intercompany account now. Okay, but but those checks have been out for a while. So does that mean that these new greenbacks are now in circulation? Have you seen this money? I've seen some of it, but let me say this: that I don't think there's a lot of money in circulation yet, because most people deposit it at a bank, and when they draw cash, the bank gives them the cash. But the banks have a lot of the old dollars, Federal Reserve notes. But because the Federal Reserve is now a wholly owned sub of the U.S. government, it doesn't matter now. They're in control. The U.S. government and the people of the United States are in control of their money supply. And that's why they're so angry, because a new world order is being pushed out of the United States institutions that it infiltrated over the last, well, since before 1912 or even earlier but now they're being pushed out and uh, that's as they it's a scorched earth policy they have but they'll be removed but it's a scorched earth and all the truth is coming out about Epstein's Island and about the bail worship and the children the, the slaves it's, it's it's sickening to talk about it and indeed it is the effect of the US eventually the banks eventually the banks will run out of passing on their old dollars and they'll call up the treasury and say could you please send us some more currency uh we're uh, the, the chase manhattan bank and the, we've pretty well uh, uh you know used up our old currency and eventually the new currency will start to get mixed in with the old and Eventually, it'll just it'll be like it never happened. Oh, they'll look at the bills. And, and of course, I'm sure there'll be some point where they bring it to light and they'll probably use it. Go to your bank if you've got any old bills. And because of COVID, we, there's a lot of it's possible that the germs can still be on the bills. We are issuing new bills. It'll just fit in perfectly with their plans. And the effect of this will be what? Will it will it mean anything Will the debt be written off or will it be excused? Well, that's, another, that's a whole different issue now. Uh, now that issue is the debt issue. We were, and what we're talking about is the currency and the Fed. And the, the two are totally uh, separate topics, right? So we could get into that if you want to talk about what I think is going to happen with China and the debt. Because I think the handwriting is on the wall for China because – 
they're the fall guy. China's the patsy. <laughs> yeah, they're the fall guy. They're the patsy, and they've been caught, and they can't get out of it. The Americans are good. Not even the Americans. The Ang the, uh, the the Assyrian commandos, the Waffen SS, uh, aligned with the, the throne of uh, England, have uh, have a, are, are good at pulling off these. The as we know, they're very good expert at pulling off these. Patsy operations. I mean, just look at the connection between the Waffen SS and the Kennedy assassination, as detailed in May Brussels' great uh, article that everybody should read. But you're not suggesting that Trump is aligned with what Joseph Farrow would call the Nazi International. Uh, no, he's or- not aligned with them at all. He's aligned with the Patriots. He's not aligned with it. He's been evoked. He's a a tribal chieftain. Uh, he's he's a, a Manasseh tribal chief, and he's been brought up by the by the that the, look. The United States was started by Manasseh and Ephraim, two of Jacob's tribes. Britain as well. The Union Jacob, the Union Jack. That's their flag. Even the American flag is is is. Uh, Based on a, on a, on the British flag, on, on certain, right. certainly just, color-wise. Yes, you and I have talked in the past about the lost tribes of Israel and what happened to them, uh, which is what you're alluding to now. And yeah. we should do another so show on that. But let me just ask China, you: China's the fall guy. I okay. think China's the fall guy here. Let's go back to that. They're okay. the fall guy. They're the patsy. But just so I'm clear, and my listeners are clear, this operation of creating this bioweapon, whether it's lethal or not, and blaming it on China was not necessarily Trump's operation. It was, as you refer to them, sort of the, well, I'll use Joseph Farrell's term, the Nazi international. This was their operation. Trump, as a patriot, simply stood back and then took advantage of it. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's a, yeah. The NMW. There's no doubt the NWO was behind this. I mean, look at who got involved. The who. You look at the who and how it's come out. There was great corruption at that level. So you know, Trump wasn't behind that. Trump's part of that Patriot gang. They're just on the sidelines and they've made use of this. This is to their advantage. Is it fair to say then that there are two deep states? There's the the deep state that is is beholden to the new world order, and then there are the 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 patriots, which are also sort of underground. They're they're well, they're they're another deep state, an, another. Well, the thing is this that the, they they um uh, they are a deep state on that level, absolutely for sure. It, it, um, there's a lot of states, but there's only a few deep states. But remember, we're headed to a time where the world uh, government uh, and the world religion each crown a new emperor, a final, right? Uh, a emperor who's going to be the Antichrist. Right, right. But uh, So I think that there's deep state. The world government is a deep state, and the world religions are a deep state. The world government's a deep state, which is the EU, right, and its group. I meant within the United States, within the, within the United bureaucracy. Well, there's, well we, th- we really have – the patriot movement that created the country is definitely a deep state and are rising at this time and are taking back power and taking back – and taking over after having – for hun- over 100 years been shut out of government and its apparatus. It's a coup. Remember the, the JFK 
the JFK was a coup. The uh, the New World Order guys took over. Um, the, the, well, it was it was the Waffen SS, right? The, the British Crown, Shaw, and let's go back to basics. Who was charged by the government? Shaw and more, uh, Bloomfield, right? I'm sorry, British I, Crown, the British Crown, Shaw, Clay Shaw, Clay Shaw, and I, more, uh, and Bloomfield. Bloomfield, who was Bloomfield? Uh, Bloomfield was a director of the Swiss company Permindex that Charles de Gaulle publicly threw out of France and, and at the time publicly said that they were trying to assassinate him. Uh, the movie, um, there's a movie about... Uh, oh, Parallax uh, about View, the, Parallax View. No, but the one about the trying to assassinate uh, de Gaulle. Oh, Day of the people. Jackal, Day of the Jackal? Yeah, Day of the Jackal, exactly. So he was a member of Permindex, and Permindex, we know, is one of the companies associated and involved in the Kennedy assassination. So Bloomfield was named by Garrison. So he was, and he also it turned out later to be head of the North American desk for British Secret Service. And he was a Canadian. I don't know if you mentioned that he already. He was a Canadian. Right. Yeah, I don't think his nationality matters. Uh, in, well, in a it's, whole it's of interest a, because we're... Yes. Well. <laughs> well, that's the British connection. He was a Canadian nationality. All right, McGill, but, but, but Garrison, Garrison didn't get around to charging him because... <laughs> because why? Because his time was limited and his case against Clay Shaw fell apart because five of his key witnesses all were either murdered or in an mental institution and he couldn't bring them to court. Hmm, amazing. The Conspiracy Show returns right after this. Peering into the shadows, where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Media scientist Nelson Thal stays with us. So I want to just get back on, on track then with, with Trump and uh, nationalizing the Fed. And yes. um, it's kind of interesting that, you you know, we, we got on to talking about the Kennedy assassination because many people believe that in part, one of the reasons Kennedy was taken out was because he tried to circumvent the Federal Reserve. Uh, many people believe that that was also part of the reason Lincoln, because there wasn't a Federal Reserve, but there was a, a, a charter for a sort of a central bank in uh, America at the time that was funding both the North and the South, and it was, and then even before that, there was um, uh, Andrew Jackson who was trying to challenge the Charter, and there was an assassination attempt supposedly on him as well. So, how is is it that Trump it, it was able to pull off what these other presidents couldn't do? Well, I guess on one level, you'd say that it's the intervention of the Holy Spirit in order to. Um uh, bring America once again and be from Manasseh, the tribes out of uh, Joseph's children, out of captivity and slavery. They've been in captive. They've been captive to this power, especially since 1912. And the major big coup, of course, was in 45 with the bulge took over the Pentagon and 63. They took over the White House. And it's well detailed, as I mentioned earlier, in May Brussels great biblical well-designed piece uh, heavily documented the Nazi assassination the Nazi connection to the JFK assassination so uh, it, it's always been their ploy to get back the Patriots and the Patriots are 
the, the pendulum is swinging their way. You can only keep a coup going for how many generations can a grandfather pass down the emotion to his grandson and great-grandson. Eventually it peters out and these guys aren't prepared to fight and give their life for the same cause. Although there's, there is still uh, plenty of fight in the deep state, and I, I wanted to talk yeah. about what's happening with the economy here for a moment because uh, they, they, the New World Order, I guess, the deep state, ha- ha- has used the pandemic uh, to, to crater the, uh, the U.S. economy, the world economy, in fact, um, and Trump has been very vocal about wanting to open up the economy. A number of states, some states never locked down, South Dakota, other states never locked down. Uh, but even those that did are now are, are, are starting to open up. Uh, we, ha- we have probably 40 million Americans now in total who have filed for, uh, for unemployment. I mean, we're talking about depression era level levels of unemployment but they're trying to open up the economy except new york and california remain in pretty much a lockdown and they constitute 20 percent of the united states gdp and of course they're both controlled by democratic uh, uh, governors so what's gonna how is this gonna play out is the united states going to recover will it recover in time for the november election what do you see Well, first of all, as a media scientist, I'm not an economist, but what I would say is this. If you look at the big picture, you'll see it doesn't seem difficult. There's a big, big war going on that's been going on for hundreds of years. McLuhan called it the ancient quarrel in modern America. That's a good book uh, article they could read about it. So this has been written about it. And what's going to happen in this battle? I have no idea. I don't know. But one thing's for sure. I really don't think that the workforce has been that damaged. Now, the workforce, if you look at the numbers, most of the workforce have weathered this virus. They've, 80% of them have had it and come out of it. And most of them didn't even know it. So they're in good health. They're ready to go back to work. Now, the, the I would say not as an economist, but if the workforce is healthy, they can go back to work. I imagine they're going to go back to work and they're going to start to gun the economy up again. If you were to say to me, you're wrong, your statistics are wrong, this workforce has been decimated. The real numbers of, the real numbers of death is 40% of Americans have died or 25% have died. We're keeping it quiet. We're covering it up. If you tell me that's the case, then I'd say, "Uh uh-oh, I think we haven't got a good, strong workforce to go back to work and get the economy going. So it depends what's really happened. Has they succeeded in killing more people than we're being told? Or are we being told they've killed a lot less people? Oh, clearly there's a lot less. I mean, the official number now is over 100,000, but clearly those numbers have been padded, and we know that because Dr. Burks who is uh, on the the White House task force on coronavirus, told us back in April they were going to report fatalities in a very liberal fashion. In other words, if you died with COVID-19, you were considered to have died from COVID-19. So we don't know by what... Why should I believe their numbers? Their numbers, I'm not going to lie on. Maybe... How many body bags were they told, were we told were ordered? I thought they... 
they ordered millions of body bags. Well, so maybe it's been millions of people who have died, not 100,000. They usually divide by 10. Maybe it's 10 million of the 300. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I'm not prepared to accept their number. No, that's what I'm saying. I don't either. But I'm saying rather than 100,000, it's, it's, it's orders of magnitude less than that that have really died from COVID-19. Maybe 100,000 people have died with COVID-19. But but as we as Italy recently reported, ninety six percent of the deaths in Italy were people who had other underlying conditions, comorbidities. So again, this is part of the fear that you were talking about earlier and the hysteria that this has all been ginned up. That it's and but yeah. to your point about the labor force, and we'll pick up on the, uh, this on the other side. Uh, I, I agree. The labor force is ready to go back to work. The question is, is there the demand and is there the supply? There's always a demand. They love it. They're not. The culture hasn't changed that much. They're looking forward to get back to hockey, back to gambling, back to prostitution. They want to get back. There's a huge <laughs> demand for it. You seem to be optimistic. You're saying that the, because the workforce has not been damaged – that they're ready to go back to work once we open things up. My concern is because people have not been working for three months, you have entire sectors, the airline industry, the tourist industry, hotels, many service jobs are gone. And I don't know that they're going to come back because many small businesses, people have lost, uh, their lives have been destroyed. They poured all their blood, sweat and tears and all of their savings into these businesses and they're all gone. Well, my answer is this. There's always been fluctuations and new technologies obsolescing old uh, old workforces. As long as the workforce is healthy, the system will readjust itself. People will retrain. They'll eventually come back. As long as the workforce is healthy in a free environment, in a free society, capitalist society, they'll be – if if a one business goes, there's always new opportunities. There's always a silver lining, because men have hope and men uh, are anxious to and are ingenious. They really are. They'll look for ways to create new spots, new productivity. That's what the United States have weathered. Let's face it, they weathered the uh, they weathered the telegraph. They weathered the phone. These were disruptions to their economy, new jobs, old guys out of work, uh, telephone, television, radio. They weathered all those, the workforce, because it was a healthy workforce. They had milk and cheese and meat and good food products, and they were well healthy. I think that's the key, the food chain. As long as they can feed these people and keep them healthy, we're fine. All right, hold on, Nelson. We'll come back and uh, continue our discussion. Nelson Thal, media scientist, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Peering into the shadows, where the truth often hides... You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Welcome back. Nelson Thal, media scientist, protege of the late Marshall McLuhan, is here. Before we get back to that conversation, just a reminder that if you love The Conspiracy Show, you're also going to love my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited, and new episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And all you need to do to subscribe 
is go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. Conspiracy Unlimited. New episodes drop every Monday and Wednesday and now available on Spotify. Will the economy recover in time or sufficiently in time for the November election? In other words, to make to ensure the Patriots re-election. Well, I'd say that remember on the top level, God chooses the our leaders, and I don't know that there's any history of where he would bring somebody in for four years and then boot them out. Uh, but I don't know that we don't that that's it. But I'll say this: that I think that. President Trump has more money as a candidate to put forth his platform to as many people as powerfully as any other president has had. He will have a war chest that will be equal to the gross national product of a number of nations put together. He's got um, the top people raising the funds and money, Want even if you hate Trump, You still may write a check to him because uh, what's he going to do for you your for your for your portfolio? What's happened to your portfolio under Trump? It's gone up, and ultimately you may hate the guy, but you need the dividend, so you hold your nose and you vote for him. I I I think that, and with the billions that he's going to have in advertising, he'll put it so that just before the election, within five, six, seven weeks. There'll be a blanket on people. They morning, noon, and night. There'll be a, an ad campaign program like never's been done ever before, and I'm sure he's drawing it up now. Well, it's been suggested that in November Trump won't be running against Biden. He'll be running against election fraud, and this push by the Democrats to bring in uh, mail-in absentee ballots. And of course, Trump has tweeted out that this is just rife for. Uh, for election fraud, which has been demonstrated in the past. Uh, although, you know, uh, Twitter um, basically said, oh, we fact-checked that. That's not true. That's just complete uh, rubbish. Even Jerry Nadler, California Congressman Jerry Nadler, in 2004, in a committee hearing, this was just recently released on, I think, YouTube, Nadler who's now saying, oh, there's no evidence of election fraud with absentee ballots. He was warning about absentee ballot uh, fraud in 2004 and was citing example after example. So if the absentee ballot goes through for the general election, will Trump be able to overcome that? Well, I I don't think there's anything that's going to come personally that's going to prevent him from being president. However, I would say this, that, um, you know, uh, uh, when every when Trump uh, appointed the leaders of the Supreme Court, I'm sure a lot of people were looking to see. Well, did uh, did Trump want to know what you did on abortion? No, no, he would never say that. He never, but they'd ask it. What did he, what did he say? You know, did he say anything about abortion? No, no, remember. So while they were thinking of abortion and all that other nonsense, what they never asked the judges was. Um, if I rule and pass, like remember, under the under the act that George Bush, President Bush, passed the Patriot Act. Notice it's called the Patriot Act. It's so that the Patriot in office ha- can seize full power, the power of emperor. So Trump already has the power under law to just 
say, look, I'm putting this to the Supreme Court. I'm in charge. And the Supreme Court's going to rule what? Fraud. He has the he, he, he's got the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court is 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 not going to is not going to allow that being he's chosen the Supreme Court judges. You can bet this is what he was talking to the Supreme Court judges about, about the Patriot Act. And would you stand by the Patriot Act if I decided I listened to the hearings? I never heard them once. Well, they were in camera sometimes, but not much. I, I never heard them once bring up that issue. They don't talk about the Patriot Act. So Trump and Trump, they can't say, well, you passed that act yourself. Because what do you mean I passed that act? That act was passed by George Bush. Okay, Nelson, stay put. We have one more segment ahead of us, so we will get to that. When the show returns right after this, my name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Peering into the shadows, where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Nelson Thal stays with us. Nelson, once we finally get out from underneath this coronavirus, what is... People keep talking about the new normal. I don't know what that means. But what is the post-pandemic world going to look like, in your estimation, as a media scientist? Yeah, I think um, we're going to have... uh the disappearance more and more of the middle class, which is what's, I think, uh, going to be a problem. Crime will escalate. Uh, I think we'll have a tendency to move more to walled c- villages within the cities. Um, shades of Mad Max. Um, the rule of law is obviously beforehand was on dicey ground, and it's it's been it's on dicey ground more and more as a result of this and the tribes who was uh, who assimilated very well are retribalizing themselves and um i think that means uh, more tribal people will be less visual more tribal more oral oral culture space music will change with the times it always does um uh, and so I think that uh, on 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 many levels, there's you know there's good news and there's sort of bad news on that level as far as uh, what the culturally. But uh, Canada and America, I think, are remember we're they're two brothers with different nations, and I think uh, when two brothers are together, just thinking about how two brothers act, and remember that. The nations subconsciously, within their subconscious, have this tribal identity and are bound by it. We know that. At the Peace Arch at the United States and Canadian border, there's a monument called the Peace Arch, and it says, uh, children of a common mother. So it's not like it's hidden from Canadians and Americans. It's right there on their monuments. And uh, with two brothers together in two nations – uh, there's a tendency, I believe, that um, um, when the extreme forces, when your enemies start to rise against you, you have a tendency to consolidate your assets for protection, rearrange the, 
the the fences, the security fences, uh, which is what the wall is. They uh, we you know vote Bush off the island. It became part of our our lingo. Vote so and so, whoever you didn't like, you voted them off the island. Uh, that that island mentality also came into the Survivor series on TV. So you could see this rising after 2000 in the language and in the culture that there is an island mentality. And so you could see these tribal forces are starting to make things happen. And of course, today, Canada and the United States are basically going through a complete metamorphosis and are, are going to come out the other side with either a continental government like Europe or different states at 52nd, 53rd, 54th states. And I think this uh, pandemic is going to hasten that process that was already in place, but now it's going to hasten that. Uh, you, you mentioned about, you gave kind of a Mad Max scenario. That kind of stands in contrast to what we were talking about earlier about, you know, how America will will recover Um but then you say that you know there'll be this disappearance of the of the middle class. So I'm just trying to reconcile those two. So uh, well, there's not a trickle down to all the eco- economics, as we know. Sometimes uh, uh, things economically go well, but it doesn't trickle down to the to the masses as well. But the corporations and the government can benefit and become. Uh, and uh, I mean, obviously. Uh, um, Big Canadian corporations and their Canadian shareholders can benefit in a great way, and uh, that doesn't mean that it filters all the way down. And where Christ said, "Where the poor will always be among us," you're always going to have the poor. But on that level aside, you can have a great deal of, you know, oil can start going up in value, and we could start getting more money paid by the oil companies to the government. But that doesn't mean the government passes it on to us, does it? Right. Right. So there's various levels of who could benefit economically. I mean, the workforce is strong, as we said. So Canada as a whole will go, but maybe some, maybe uh, some will be taken advantage of, and the money will go more to the corporation than to the people. Who knows? The strength of unions is another thing. If the unions are stronger, then that wealth will track trickle down. But when we were talking about the big picture, we're talking about the wealth of a nation. And that's different from the wealth of its people or what happens with the middle class. So you mentioned Canada either being assimilated or uh, subsumed by America or a continental government. Yet, at the moment, Canada seems to be saddling up with China. What's at work there? What's at play there? Trudeau seems to be acquiescing to the Chinese uh, at every turn. I know part of that is perhaps his desire to get a, a seat on the UN Security Council, but I'm finding his fealty to China above Canadians very disturbing. Well, that is in keeping and no surprise given he comes out of loyalties to are to their secret societies before their loyalties are to their nation. That's why McLuhan warned about nation uh, secret societies and how the arts and sciences are in their pockets. So, you know, uh, these people are have allegiances and loyalties to beyond the nation state apparatus. 
And of course, some of it is to the NWO operation or some part of the NWO. So Trudeau's loyalties are not first to Canada and nor were his fathers. So when he was brought in, sunny ways, it's interesting to study. Uh, I did a study on sunny ways, his comment, because they like to throw out they like to be able to come back and tell you, well, we told you that if they get caught. So they drop these little bombs. But if, when you go back to it, you don't realize they've dropped the bomb. But it's like sunny ways. What are they telling us? Um, what is sunny ways? And when you go into it, you'll see sunny ways was that the way in which you would get an animal to drop its guard is to increase the heat, make it hot, make him drop his shields so sunny ways is a military term a fable but not a fable and he threw that out and so he could always go back and say well i always told you i said it was sunny ways sunny ways we're going to force you into it is what he's saying i told you we're going to force you into it that's what sunny ways mean so these guys are pretty slick so trudeau though i think has got two masters now, and I think that now that um, a Lafayette agreement has been done between the Patriots and the British Crown. Explain that briefly. We're almost out of time. The Lafayette agreement. When um, the British General Cornwallis surrendered to Lafayette, they were fighting in the 13 colonies. Their troops, British troops, are fighting against the French troops in the 13 colonies. When the war ended, the Cornwallis, the British, surrendered to the French. And uh, Lafayette, to General Lafayette, he surrendered, and that's the Lafayette Agreement. But Cornwallis, the British, never surrendered to Washington. And so the war continued. So what Trump has done is brought the Lafayette Agreement to the British Crown and got them to surrender. In return, he would guarantee a strong trade pact with Britain to make up for what they're going to lose by losing, by withdrawing from the EU and gaining their freedom back. So there's a big thing going on here, multi-hundreds of years operation re- being represented in battles going on between the patriots with Trump, the New World Order, and the Waffen-SS and the British Crown. And you can see this is causing the British Crown to break up. And uh, you can see that Harry is breaking up and it's very interesting whether or not he's a double agent or a triple agent. I think that's something we'll see in the future. It'll start to emerge. But he's certainly a major agent and operative probably of uh, British SOS. All, uh, all interesting points to pick up on on a subsequent show. Nelson, thank you for hanging out for these two hours. It's been a real pleasure, real pleasure. And make sure everybody changes their name before they listen to this show and has an alibi where they were, because <laughs> Big Brother will want to know. <laughs> yes, in the meantime, you and I will have to, to hire someone to start our cars in the morning. Well, you know what? Let me just leave you with this quote, a terrific quote by James Joyce. Welcome, O life. I go to encounter for the millionth time the reality of experience and to forge in the smithy of my soul the uncreated conscience of my race. Look forward to seeing you. Good night. Thanks, Richard. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, that's it for me. My thanks to Carlos Kajina and Ryan White back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. 
what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops, move over Aphrodite, I'm coming home, or at least up the stairs. Good night. <laughs>